Poopity scoopity. It's Zay. And this is episode 14 of I Guess We'll Do It That Way. This is a good one, guys. It's nerdy. It's full of process. And it's even more full of tangents. You're going to love it. There's also a bit of an issue with my mic, and we did have to use the backup sound. It's going to be fine. I Guess We'll Do It That Way is presented by Mama Bear Studios. Mama Bear's mission is to create entertaining works of art that explore our humanity. Okay, here's episode 14. Alrighty, welcome to episode 14 of I Guess We'll Do It That Way. Couldn't be happier to be here. John, I know there are thousands of places that you'd rather be. Oh, but here I am nonetheless. I roped you in. Is, uh, how, how's that How's that shackle around your ankle? I put some baby powder on it. It's did you get good. the package of uh, Vaseline I sent? I did. It's helping a lot. Okay, good. I always feel bad about those blisters. <clears throat> hey, Who knew he- that your torture chamber basement would turn into a torture chamber for, for your own torture? It's a uh, torture chamber slash podcast booth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a great combo um well so john you're gonna have i'm a little on the i'm a little slow today because i stayed up way too late last night um i normally am in bed by like 12 30 at the latest mm. and i went to bed at like 1 45 uh why well so i went to a show so a buddy of mine that I mentioned, Brandon Gonzalez, they have a company called Sid the Cat. They're really awesome concert promoters. Brandon is helping me find a venue in L.A. for Rollers, which is, as you know, the movie that I'm making. Um, although some people might not know. Basically, I'm making a movie. We're moving towards right now. John, I'm going to put some dates on the record for the first time. Mm. You ready for this? Oh, baby. I've been waiting. Um, we are aiming for – I know you got to – start your alternate production where you can borrow all my crew the same dates and stuff. So I want to make sure that you're prepared. Mm, Um, We are moving towards a, we are moving towards a February 2nd. No, I'm sorry. February 4th, 2019 start of production. And I've now set it on the record and I can't take it back unless I have to move it, in which case I will move it. And how long does that go for? That'll be about, 20 days of shooting which is four weeks because we'll take weekends off um and so that i mean effectively uh right till the beginning of march and then after it's done being shot Mm -hmm. you take it to a warehouse you have it developed Mm -hmm. you put it into the editing booth how long does that all that take well the edit booth robot is pretty sophisticated now so mm. he'll crank out a first draft in a couple hours you no know? seriously no i'm just kidding there is no editing booth robot um well we're gonna shoot well i don't know i, I you know this is a whole nother conversation i still have to decide if i'm gonna shoot on film which specifically i would be shooting on super 16 millimeter film or mm. if we're gonna shoot digital and go get some sweet old lenses, which mm. actually have more of an effect in some ways on the actual quality of the image and just the way that it looks in a lot of cases. Because if you really want to make film look like digital, you can kind of do it. Um, 
you just have to light it. You know, you just have to, you just use newer equipment and then the film ultimately doesn't really look like film, which I don't understand the point of doing that because why not just shoot digital? But I'm kind of in the opposite boat where the expense of shooting on film might end up being prohibitive, but I really like the look. I like the grainy analog vibe of film. But the nice thing is, is um, there's a thing called anamorphic lenses, which most older movies that you've probably seen, a lot of them are shot on anamorphic lenses and that gives a really amazing kind of cinematic quality to the the the, the stuff you're shooting, regardless of whether you shoot it on film or not. And what is an anamorphic lens? An anamorphic. An what is an anamorphic lens? You ask. Hmm. This explanation is going to make cinematographers across the globe rip out their hair and put on sackcloth and ashes in repentance for my horrible horrible explanation but can all i can everybody can hear you stalling while you type anamorphic lens into <laughs> type, 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 type. Okay, um, the basic gist of it yeah you guys don't probably need to understand anamorphic lenses any better than i do so i'm just going to give you the way i understand it i'm going to give it to you yeah. straight tell us like, like you know it don't look it up no no, no i'm not looking it up oh, okay. um no, no no i i don't know that i could actually look up a better answer the problem is the the things I don't understand are the tech, like why exactly it changes the way things look. I just hmm. know what it looks like versus what it doesn't look like. Basically, what anamorphic lenses are. So, um, back in the day, you had thirty five millimeter film and sixteen, but you have you have film and a and, and a, a film for a motion picture film is as you probably know a long strip of frames that are sure. connected and they're all printed it's it's uh it's uh emulsion but i don't know see now i'm really getting above my paper no, but you, there's you're like exactly right you got yeah you yeah it. so there's yeah there's emulsion like chemicals that are light sensitive mm -hmm. and so um, now typically with a 35 millimeter or any other kind of medium format any other kind of still still camera you still have a roll of film, but you're only exposing one frame per click. Now, obviously, with a motion picture camera, you're you're setting, you know, in, all, in an old case, it, you'd probably have like a crank, um, and now they're battery powered. But basically, you're you're setting a, a, a flipper that that cycles, you know, carries the film from these uh, can canisters, either behind or on top of the film. There's actually a, a diagram of a very popular, kind of famous. Um, film camera an airy 35 millimeter film camera is the is the model for our uh cover art so if you're uh -huh. curious yeah you can go look but um but basically so as as most people probably know and they're just hideously bored at this point basically you've got these canisters with these long 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 spools of film that are much longer obviously than like a still camera because you are shooting about you're exposing about 24 frames a second which is sort of the magic of movies and it's that's how you create motion out mm -hmm. of still images which ultimately a, you know film is just a bunch of still images strewn together everyone knows that but um anyway so the goal is always to maximize the amount of space on the film for picture quality and so um, what happened is that at some point they realized that if they compress the image optically by using what's called anamorphic lenses, that they could distort the image of a widescreen because widescreen is, is very cinematic and a lot of people like the way it looks. 
But so picture a square. It's not actually like a perfect square or anything, but like picture a square and then you picture like a, a, a relatively thin rectangle right in the middle of the square. There's unexposed film on the top and the bottom of that square, which mm -hmm. is basically just wasted data. It's wasted detail that you're just not using. Sure. That the anamorphic lens gives you this like big wide picture like Lawrence of Arabia mm -hmm. and you're just like, whoa, like that's just so big, you know, it just feels huge and detailed and like in your face and it's beautiful, but it also has this like kind of older quality to it. That's what you get from anamorphic lenses. And the reason for that is because basically the anamorphic lens takes this big wide image and it squeezes it so that it fits into the, the parameters of the film and uses every every little tiny chunk of it. And then you have to then re sort of project it out. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And so, but in the process of that squeezing the anamorphic lenses, uh, they, they, they just kind of in a really pleasant way, they kind of change the quality of the image a little bit. So anyway, hmm. and, 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 um, and some of that depends. So they're spherical and anamorphic lenses. It's all about the shape of the glass because ultimately lenses are ground from these pieces of glass that distort images and focus them the same way that our eyes do. Um, and lens making, man, I would love to actually, I should probably do some research and find some cool old nerdy lens guy in LA. Cause there's probably at least a couple dozen of them who are just expert lens people. It would kind of be fun to have them come on and just sort of nerd out about how lenses work. You know, when I was a kid, I got all of this old, uh, photo projecting, like photo making equipment, you know? Oh, cool. Like, yeah. Like a projector, uh, and all this stuff, and I set up a dark room in my attic, and there was a uh, a photo supply place down in Merchantville. Is, John, is this where the torture chamber basement started? <laughs> it's where my love of attics and basements came from. But it's I would go up there, and we'd go out like into Philly and shoot on film and go home, and I could develop and print pictures in my house. It was pretty sick. That's super cool. Yeah. But, I, you know, the first time I saw a photo get developed in front of me was kind of a magical experience. Yeah, it is. It's just a shocking. blank piece of paper that somehow you, you kind of expect it to like dissolve in the water, mm -hmm. you know, and yeah. then all of a sudden there's this image and you're like, what? Well, we tried all sorts of things with this. Like uh, I had a little like a projector where you could take an image, you could slide any image under this thing and it had a series of mirrors and it would project mm. anything onto a wall or really cool. any surface you know it's still image oh so, yeah, yeah yeah like the like the things they would use in church and school and stuff yeah exactly almost like a yeah, transparency yeah. but it was for art it was actually you used uh, it to project oh so that you could like copy stuff so like, you could trace like murals it. or whatever yeah yeah, okay, yeah exactly so you could go – you could still do this, I'm sure. You can go to an art place and you can buy emulsion that you can paint onto a wall. Mm. And then you take this light box in a dark room and you project it onto a square Whoa. on a wall. And you can project and then have a permanent like picture picture, a print on a wall. Whoa. Get out of here. No joke. Little Johnny Schimpf, that's what I was up to when I was like 12. That's the coolest thing I've ever heard in my life. Yeah. Yeah. Our, the I'm, uh, I might 
have to figure out a way to like incorporate that into the movie somehow. You know, maybe just in the background. Sure. Yeah. I've actually cool thought process. it'd be kind of fun to like do because there's a couple like sort of what could be borderline kind of experimental sequences in the movie. And I've actually thought it'd be kind of fun to play with making our own film stock, kind of like yeah. what you're saying. Yeah. Just to give it like a super unique, completely different feel. I would never do that for the whole movie, but there are a couple sequences where I'm like, I want this to feel really different and kind of weird. And that could be, that could be really fun. Oh yeah, man, that would be such a cool way to decorate. Just find a big white wall and like print a, picture onto the wall yeah or better yet a dark if you had like a dark blue wall and you frame out with tape uh a section of the wall you know like you have an actual piece of art projected onto the wall permanently in Mm. contrast to the rest of the wall i'm gonna do it here it's a great idea i totally forgot i had all that crap when i was a kid i love it Send us, uh, keep us updated on that little project. I'll go get some emulsion. I forget how you seal it. There's got to be a way. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. There's some kind of sealer, you know, that you put on after. I bet there's some excellent YouTube videos. Totally, absolutely. We'll we'll link to some. I'll do a little research. Mm-hmm. John and I will do a little research. We'll we'll just get a little kit built and put it put the whole thing in the show notes. What do you think of that? It is kind of surprising looking back that my parents. I, I'm not even totally sure they knew that I had all that stuff. Like I would go down, I would walk. It was like a fifteen-minute walk, and I walk down to the photo supply place. I knew the guy, and I would mm-hmm. buy like these gallon jugs of chemicals, and then take them back to my house, up to my attic, and print. and then drink them. I wouldn't drink them, but nobody was like checking to see what <laughs> no, I was doing. No, that's pretty wild. Yeah, it seems you know it's kind of a different time. I guess it was even just the fact that you were walking down to the store. You know, I mean, I know a lot of people that right. do that, but. I feel like that's less common even than when I was growing up, which wasn't that long ago. Not that when you were growing up was growing up that long ago either, but I'm saying I'm 57. A cr- oh, back in 36. Um, <laughs> some guy was growing up in 1936. Kind of interesting. Some guy was growing up in 36, just 36. That's my grandma. That's, wild. that's my Nana. You know, John, I, I think a lot about, Maybe this is a weird thing to think about, but you know what I think a lot about? I think a lot about the guy who was born. We've sort of touched on this, but I think a lot about the guy who was born in like 526 AD. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. like they don't have good records. No one's right. You know, Rome has just been demolished at this point. Some guy was born in, you know, northern France. Mm hmm. With no no knowledge whatsoever of the fact that there have been multiple g- nearly globe-spanning empires a mere 100 years before his birth. And he probably has no knowledge of that whatsoever. He, he's probably just living in like some dumpy hut, you know? Yeah. It, it just no clue that Rome somehow managed to build an empire that was like spanning thousands of miles without telephones or anything. Like – and, and, and the Colosseum, he's just like completely oblivious to all that. Less than 100 years after it existed. It's kind of wild. Yeah, I mean, there's history, the world. It, it, there's so much crazy stuff happening. Like I was thinking the other day, I heard on um, somebody use the phrase belly of the beast. Mm, yeah, what's that from? You know, like he's in the belly of the beast. It's from right. it's from the old idea of, uh, you know, in the in the Bible, there's all these prohibitions against 
sacrificing your kid to to idols because they used to take uh, little babies and young kids and put them in this brazen bull, which is like a huge, you know, a huge cow made yeah, out of right. metal, and they would stick the kids inside and light a fire underneath and kill them. Whoa. And um, it's just crazy to think, like, when your spouse, your life partner is pregnant, you know, you're, like, driving to the store at 1 a.m. to buy ice cream and watermelons, and then your kid is born and you do all this stuff to protect them and keep them safe throughout his, you know, for their life and set them on the right path and put them in schools and do all this stuff. And eventually in like, you know, a thousand years, it will mean nothing. Mm -hmm. You know, that kid as tragic as that is that kid who got, a fire lit under him and a big metal mm-hmm. bowl. Like he's, he's gone. Like nothing, mm-hmm. nothing matters. His parents who no, thought, the, yeah, the, his parents who thought to get out of the, whatever predicament they were in, like we don't have enough water for our crops. Mm-hmm. It's so urgent that we got to kill a kid. None to, of that to, stuff to matters. Appease the gods. Yeah. I know. Yeah, Like there's an ocean where those people are standing right now. It does. Mm-hmm. Nothing matters, you know, and where we're standing right now, like there's going to be a glacier here in 15,000 years. It's kind of wild. I, you know, I actually, um, nothing matters, kids. That's the point. Well, how do we get off? How do we get from that film stock to nihilism so fast? No, no, no. no. But real quick, I, I would take a different tack on that, which is that nothing matters to everyone else, but it sure as hell matters to you, you know? Yeah. And I think that's why it matters. So I, to me, I actually find that a very freeing thought because I can spend less time thinking about my legacy and more time thinking about living my life in a way that is great, you know, because who, who cares if I built, who cares if I'm like the top architect in Egypt in 2036 BC or whatever. And I like get to design Pharaoh's pyramid and I'm like, Holy shit, man. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. Like that's like the most, lasting example of like career success that I can kind of think of at this point. You know, 10 bucks or like the guy who, or the, or, or the guy who designs the Coliseum, like that dude is a baller in Rome. Whenever that thing was built, I don't know, maybe what was like 200 something AD either way. Like that dude is a baller. He's like, I have reached the, the pinnacle and you know what? We still go to the Coliseum, but I don't know that guy's name. Don't even plan on finding out what his name is. And I don't care because he's dead. He's been dead a long time. Mm. And everyone he knows has been dead for a really long time. And that's okay because that guy was living his life, you know? But I hope he didn't like ruin his life to get to the point where he could design the Coliseum so that he could be remembered because fact is nobody remembers him. Somebody definitely knows the guy who made the Coliseum. Somebody, but my point is that that's one of the most. I can't think of too many people who are like more remembered than that, other than like Julius Caesar. But still, like I don't. I know Julius Caesar is a historical figure. I don't actually give a shit about like his legacy, really. You know, all those guys would put all of their kids in a brazen bowl and light it themselves for a chance to play the iPhone Mario game. <laughs> 
they seriously would. About this game. If you showed, I don't know about this it's game. not even that good of a game. But the point is, like, if you showed one of those dingbats, if you could somehow like teleport into the past mm. and be like, "Yo, have you seen Flappy Birds, man?" Mm-hmm. That they guy, would think it was magic. He would get off his horse, throw his weapons down or whatever, like his grapes or whatever he was doing, mm-hmm. and that would be it. It would be game over. It would be the greatest thing he's ever seen. His bolts of wool. Um, you know, John, though, what's funny is you, you would take your phone back and be like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mess these guys up. I'm going to make them think I'm a magician. They're going to worship me. And then your phone dies. And you Ooh. realize that there are no dams and you can't create electricity. And you know nothing. <laughs> and you know nothing. So you've got like two and a half hours of glory because you know they're playing games on it. Like you're saying, which means they're just zapping the battery. You realize about an hour and 45 minutes into it that you have no plan for how to charge it. But they certainly aren't about to give you the phone back. And so they just zap. You're like, no, 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 wait. And then they zap the battery and that's it. And you can never, ever. Because maybe you could figure out how, I don't know. It's it's a kind of a depressing thought. I feel like I could so charge it. If I could learn, get though, metal, I feel like I could charge it. John, I think that's the most absurd thing you've ever said. No way, dude. I really do. I think John, if I had like here's the issue: years, not creating electricity. Ah, uh, maybe. But John, here's the thing: it's not the electricity; it's creating a a a. It's creating the connecting point. No, you know? I think it's you create, can go around that. I think you could. I could take the phone apart. I oh, could find find the, the actual wire yeah, that goes yeah. into the battery. No, okay, I'm right. not saying I could do this right now. I'm saying if yeah, I'm because stuck John, you would have already in been the in the belly of the beast at that point, dude. Yeah, they would have already been like, "This guy's useless." No, I would die Let's from like diphtheria it. immediately or whatever disease yeah. they had. But even listen, let's and then say you I would got bring back the like phone. some disease that they don't have, and then you just wipe out I'd the wipe entire out Roman civilization at like. 200 years before its peak and the entire course of the world changes. Return of the That's kind of a good movie. It's a great movie. Uh, But the reality is, dude, even if I got the phone charged, let's say I spent 10 years in 200 AD and I finally Mm -hmm. got it to start. What the fuck is that going to help me? I can't get on the internet. No, you can't Google anything useful. You just get to play Flappy Birds all day. I got Flappy Birds, yeah, so the phone busts. (laughs) You're like, can't text, can't call. Yeah, can't and Google I don't know to, anything. Can't Google sustainable agriculture practices for the 20th century, like weirdos who are trying to like go back to the old days, but with better technology. You can't like you, you can't look up plans for how to build a tractor. I'll tell you what, though, I that's about the only thing you need to know. I have a sneaking suspicion, and I I don't. Th- there are people out there who are called preppers who like prepare for the oh, end of the yeah. world. You know, they store like there's guns a lot and- of preppers. I think my own my, – when I was a kid, right before Y2K, my dad got like 500-gallon water tanks and like stuck them in the basement. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And it was scared it distilled the sh- though? Yeah, like he I mean treated you can obviously it. boil it, but – okay, gotcha. Right, he treated it. He did whatever he was supposed to do. But, you know, it, it freaked me out. I was like, what are we going to do? We're going to be sitting in our house in New Jersey drinking water out of the basement? Like this sounds yeah, like but a you know, terrible future. It, Okay, I actually, you know, oh man, dude, there's just so many. I love that. I love that because, so we live in like a pretty, uh, in the grand scheme of things, you know, I live in a pretty dumb place in the sense that like at any point, there's a decent chance that wildfires are not too worried about because I'm in such an urban area, but there's a decent chance that all of LA could just descend into immediate chaos when a massive, massive earthquake 
turns the entire city into a giant flaming ball of like leaking gas and collapsed buildings and highways and bridges that no longer function. That could happen like pretty soon, you know? Sure. Kelly and I've been talking about this. We need like a rendezvous point because I was realizing it wouldn't take that much to bring down the cell grid. And I was like, man, if something really bad happened, I don't know where to look for Kelly, you know? Yeah. Like, do I go home? No. Do I? No, of course not. But then where do I go? And how do I figure out if she's alive without calling every play? You know, so I was kind of like, you know, maybe we need to like be like, okay, this is where you try to get. I mean, it'd be really simple, but go to this place first. If you can't get there, go to this place. So we narrow it down to like three places that one of us might be so that there's some knowledge. Anyway, it's kind of weird to have to think about that stuff, but it's actually sort of realistic. I you know? immediately, you and Kelly trying to make a rendezvous point makes me think of this guy. I don't know his name, but let's call him like uh, Mr. Morimoto. This mm-hmm. guy who in in during World War II, at the end of World War II, oh, he was geez. in Hiroshima and um, the bomb went off and he was on the outskirts of town. And no one knew that the bomb even existed. Right. There's a great book by John Hersey called Hiroshima, or Hiroshima if you're Japanese, and it's very good. He was a Jesuit priest. He lived in Hiroshima when I the love bomb Jesuit went off. Priests. Yeah, and he helped a ton of people, and he's got all these great eyewitness descriptions of what happened right then. And it was wow. unprecedented, totally nuts. But this guy, let's call him Mr. Morimoto, was in Hiroshima. The bomb went off, and he left town, you know, obviously because the town got mm-hmm. destroyed by a nuclear bomb. And he went to Nagasaki, and the bomb went off there. <laughs> no way. He's the, there's one guy. He actually just Get died a few years ago. out of here. He didn't die of radiation he poisoning or die. anything? He didn't die. No, he was far enough away. I don't think he got hurt, really, but he was in That's both of the cities. astonishing. Yeah, he died kind of recently, and he uh, he was, I think, the only guy to survive both bombs. Whoa. You know what? Actually, now that I think about it, I think I heard, like, was that on Radiolab or something? Probably. I certainly okay, didn't, I did, like, find I do the think guy I heard and research a, it. Sure. I do think I heard an, an account of that. We should find out where it is and post it, because I remember it being a pretty pretty great, yeah. great little story. I went well, to John, Hiroshima when I was a younger man, and it's crazy, dude. We went to a museum there, and they've got, like finger like distorted fingernails of guys Whoa. who were blown up in the bomb and it's a very weird and creepy museum we got a ton of dirty looks hmm i kind of can imagine why yeah i was like dude my people were in greece pig farming when mm-hmm. this happened don't look at me like that Hmm. man what a crazy world we live in mm-hmm. i mean back to the birth thing dude there were kids there was a baby. I don't mean to be morbid or weird because hopefully this this particular baby that I'm referring to was way outside the blast radius and was okay. But like there was a baby, statistically speaking. I mean it's a large place. There was a baby, probably many babies, coming out of – like crowning, come, being pulled out of their mother literally at the moment that the bomb went off. Sure, yeah. That's – crazy to think about i don't know i i like i love those because mo- sometimes you're like oh great a bomb went off in hiroshima and blah, blah. that's how they teach us history but i'm like what about that guy who was like whoa the apocalypse just happened right because i don't know what an atomic bomb is because no one does because it's a secret 
But I just saw a big flashing light, and now when I drive over this bridge that gives me a decent view of downtown, it's gone. Mm. That's crazy. I mean, imagine imagine hearing a bang, and there's this one view of L.A. that I really love, south of the city. It's up on the. It's a famous view. They 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 shot on this. I think it's the 105. They shot it for like La Land. You know, it's this big raised um, on ramp, right? Mm, yeah. And you're coming. You you typically are coming from the airport, and it's not always this great of a view. But every once in a while, you're driving up. The sun's kind of low, so everything's got that nice orange glow. You know, they call that golden hour in the biz. And um, and basically, like everything's just perfect. And I've done this a couple times. You're coming up on this huge, very high on-ramp, way south of the city, probably a solid 10 miles south of downtown. And the San Gabriel Mountains are very high. They're like – I mean they're mountain mountains. They're not like little hills. They're way out in the distance. And then downtown, which is a pretty sizable – you know, L.A., it's not New York, but it has a very sizable skyline. Is just nestled in, right? Almost like I'm a big Lord of the Rings fan. Almost like Minas Tirith, kind of like this little city, just sort of <laughs> say what nestled in Minas Tirith. Minas Tirith. Oh, anyway. brother, give me a break. It's, it, yeah, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> hey, I know I got some Lord of the Rings fans out there. If you're a Lord of the Rings fan, hit me up. But so, but, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> all right. Point is, this city, LA, is just kind of nestled in, and it looks tiny. But it's beautiful, and on a really clear day where the sun's low, it just looks stunning because the mountains are all lit up. And like sometimes in the winter, you can actually see snow on the mountains, even though it's Southern California. And then what's really cool about it is as you it, it looks like the the city, the whole city is just like built into the base of the mountains because of perspective, right? Mm, yeah. And then and you're really high, so you can see everything. You can almost see the ocean. You can see all of LA laid out in front of you. Then as you get closer. The mountains don't get any closer because they're huge and they're relatively far away. But downtown all of a sudden is just looming over you. And so you have like a completely different view. And it only takes about 10 minutes but or less than that, really, like five, for your perspective on the city and the mountains and the whole landscape to just completely change. It's pretty stunning. But I'm just imagining if L.A. got blown up, not to be crazy, <laughs> but hey, it's a possibility. Um, if L.A. got blown up. The guy who's like driving on the 105 and just happens to be cresting that little on ramp. Sure. Right when the nuke goes gadoosh right over, right, you know, however many feet, like, what is it, like half a mile or whatever? You know, you see like some plane, like, you know, like you hear like some stealth bomber like zip over and then all of a sudden it's like gadoosh. And all of a sudden you're just like, oh, I'm blind, slash, downtown's gone. Yeah. That, that would be nuts. Yeah. That's yeah. basically what happened in Hiroshima. Someone had that experience in Hiroshima. Yeah. In that John Hersey book, there's a there's a crowd of people out in the street after the bomb went off and they're you know, some people are on fire, buildings Holy most smokes. of the buildings are gone, you know, people had jumped there's a river that runs right through Hiroshima and all these people jumped into the river because everywhere else was on fire and then the river caught fire or the river started boiling. No. Uh, yeah, so people are boiling. The river boiled? Yeah, the river started to boil. People are jumping in the river because they're on fire. Oh, I mean, it's like a hellscape. Man. And but, dude, these people are totally innocent, you know? Yeah, they had What a, a right. shit show. Yeah, so people are standing out a few minutes after, and it's just complete pandemonium. And they had no idea what a nuclear bomb was, obviously, as you said. Mm. And people had sort of guessed 
and our rumors are spreading that what they did was they just flew a bunch of planes over and dumped gasoline on the city and then lit it. Basically pre-napalm napalm. Exactly. And then what kind of eerily what happened was that there was a light rain coincidentally that started and the people in the city just went into full-blown panic because they thought it was gasoline coming down right before they're about to ignite it again and kill them all. Whoa. Just, like, so dark, man. Really dark stuff. Oof. Yeah, but we wow. got some looks in that museum. Yowza, meowza. Not exactly sure well, why. Wasn't my fault. Man, you know, I love stuff like that, though. I, I think it makes us... Uh, I get sad for people who never sort of think about that kind of stuff because that's part of our sort of human experience, you know? Sure. And I think a lot of people just live in their little uh, suburban bubbles and pretend like none of that ever happened. You know, they like to sanitize it. I just feel like that would be so bleak in a different way, you know? Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, it's shocking that we, after even after seeing what that type of destruction looks like, we just went full full steam ahead with that and created bombs that are 10, 20, 50, a hundred hundreds in some case. Yeah. There, there's some, I mean the czar bomb, which is a Russian one. I think they felt shock waves 500 miles away. Yeah. Yeah. In the blast radius. I mean, we, we should link to it. It's, it's a really shocking. The stats are, are kind of insane. John, what do you think about doing a little transition into uh, some mail? Oh, do we have some mail? We do have some mail. I think you're going to love this this mail. Um, really? You're going to – ooh, you're going to love this. Um, so our boy Dan, Dan who – Dan the Peacock Man. You remember Dan? Oh, how could I forget? Dan's just a great guy. Um, Dan keeps coming through in the clutch. Faithful listener. He's getting a, he's getting a T-shirt. Dan, T-shirt coming your way. Text me your address, bro, because I gave him my number because he's just always feeding me like – good stuff you know i'm like Hmm. dude we gotta we gotta have like a direct line and uh he's taking advantage of it in the best possible way so dan heard us talking about ted we love our oh my gosh let's do a quick ted inventory we've got Hmm. ted bundy oh boy we've got ted turner we talked we've basically devoted an entire episode we have not talked we'll save him though we'll talk about ted kaczynski soon because we don't need any more Teds quite yet. Uh-huh. We've got Teddy Bronson, clearly. Uh, TB. We've got Teddy Cruz, because I like to call Tom Teddy. Mm, that's a Scientology name. Yeah, exactly. And um, and I'm also a Scientologist. So, you know, I actually, that's a whole other thing. I actually know a couple Scientologists. Nuh-uh. Who are, yeah, I, I totally do. And they're really normal people. Yeah, And I'm going to be totally, yeah, they totally are. I'm going to be super honest and say, You're thinking about if those that. guys are listening... I think Scientology's crazy, but also oh, they're super normal, and I kind of want to have them. Yeah, who knows? I'm not going to name names because, not because it's like a big secret, but because I would not like for someone necessarily to sort of talk about my faith without me being present, without us having sort of pre-discussed that to some extent. But um, at least something that I wasn't like very public about, if that makes any sense. But I think. Um, I would like to talk to, to one of these Scientologist guys because they're filmmakers for one. So they, they have some interesting perspective. They're making a movie right now. They're they're like France or something. Um, but I don't know. I'm curious about Scientology from their perspective. All right, but let's move on. We've got all of our Teddies. Um, we were talking about Ted Turner's 
15 billion acre bison farm. Ah. Remember this? This was a while back. For anyone who doesn't know, Ted Ted Turner has a. Well, I mean, how many hectares is it, John? It was like hundreds. It was an insane. Thousands. It was. It was. It, I think it was hundreds of square miles. I mean, it was a shocking shocking number of of uh, uh shocking amount of space anyway so we were talking about we were talking about bison and i was like i want to try some bison ah, dude guess what tell me dan who also is our peacock hookup two million acres holy mackerel mm, that's insane ted ted what are you doing with it babe? i think he's building westworld Dude, he looks like the dude. He looks like every character in Westworld. Anthony Hopkins. I think he's building Westworld. That's what I think. Oh my gosh, dude, you're right. I think Look he's at this building Westworld. Of him, dude. I well, you, our audience can't see it. Describe it for us. It's. It looks like it's a green screen picture or photoshopped, but it's like this, like the Sierra Nevadas in the background, and like a plane, a rolling plains in the in mm. the foreground, and Ted. Uh, wearing a cowboy getup, standing very proud mm. in the foreground. I, huh. I would like to visit one day. Montana. Okay. All right, but so I think he's got a couple actually. So anyway, this man, this is really taking a long time. I'm sorry, everybody. But Dan texted and said, hey, by the way, I grew up just down the street because you remember he was the guy who was also hooking us up with peacocks because we were like no one's raising peacocks and right. dan was like oh yeah by the way they are oh he grew up right down the street from a buffalo slash bison farm you don't say yep and uh we, they I, wait, got, wait, wait, wait i thought we killed all the bison no they're still around they just don't exist wildly i believe oh is that is that true but maybe they've been reintroduced. They've done some some interesting things. If you've never tried bison before, it's easy to cook. It's Ask this... us for instructions and follow these tips. It's basically some steak tips. John, I think you should try cooking some bison. Ugh. No, no, no. Just try it. Maybe get some good bison steak. And and you gave us some great steak tips. Make some clarified butter and make oh, yeah. a bison steak for you and your boo and report back to us. What do you think of that? Yeah, I'll give it a shot. They have gator. I think it could be good. They got frozen gator at the supermarket here. Mm. Uh, you ever have gator? Uh, you know, I've never tried gator. Oh, uh, I went to the – yo, everybody listening out there, take a minute. Take a week out of your schedule. Book a trip to Florida's Everglade National Park. It's so sick. It's Ooh. crazy. Get on a fan boat, go down there, do the CSI thing. It's nuts, dude. It is nuts down there. That sounds kind of sweet. Dude, Everglades. It's the it's crazy. It's like going to Jurassic Park, dude. Dan also, John, I think Dan has given us so much. He's just been so generous with us that I think we should also answer his follow-up question. He said, Dan said, by the way, what podcasts do you guys listen to? Oh, huh. Kind of as a little bit of a segue. John, would you like to uh, open that up for open that up? There's a new season of Serial came out Ooh, yesterday. Okay, give me the give me the log line. It's pitch uh, it to me, John. It's uh, it should be like Serial. We had a really great first season. It, it, wait, uh, real quick though, John, are you talking Serial season one? I mean, are you talking? Is this in your mind Serial season three or Serial season two? That's such a well, or f- because S Town is yep. technically a serial season, and yep. Oh man, fun fact! Actually, can I just interject? No, really wouldn't fast? this be the fourth then? Because you had series one with the murder, 
Two would be yep. Bergdahl. Three would be uh, S-Town. Oh, Bergdahl. That's right. And okay. this would be four. You're right. So this is technically four. Okay, this so you four. do consider that all part of the same series. I think Quick so. Quick fun fact. Um, I, I, my home that my parents live in uh-huh. is basically the neighborhood where Adnan and all of the, uh, the theoretical crimes exist, uh, took place and Not the best uh, by the, yes, exactly. No, I knew every single location that they were debating, including the best buy parking lot. I was home for Christmas when cereal was the rage, you know? Yeah. And I literally went by the Best Buy parking lot because I had to go to that Best Buy because that's the Best Buy I go to. What? And I was like, let me double check that this is not possible because I'm pretty sure I remember there not being nearly enough space to strangle someone in this parking lot. And I went back. I mean, it's like a 200 square foot chunk of parking lot on the side it's not even like you know because that was sort of one of the theories that they like did this behind the best buy bullshit i'm not saying it didn't happen somewhere but definitely did not happen there also leakin park which is where they potentially bury the body that actually is a pretty common place for bodies to get dumped um have you dumped a body there well, we'll talk about it off the record. You're boring but, to the um, pond, dumping them in the pond. Yeah. So you, you were saying cereal season 16. Yeah, cereal. They just keep going. So the new cereal season is out as of yesterday. I think there's two two episodes out. It's pretty good. It follows the uh, criminal court system in Cuyahoga County, Cleveland, Ohio. Hmm. And it just, you know, if you have any sort of sneaking suspicion that the legal system is a total piece of crap, you're about to not be disappointed. Mm. It's basically just like poor people getting screwed over Ugh. and over again. It's horrifying. Man. Um, but, you know, they do it. It's such a well-produced show that they can mm-hmm. kind of make anything interesting, although the Bo Bergdahl episode was kind of weak. That was not my favorite season. Dude, I'm going to go out on a limb here Yep. and say that I think S-Town – is I'm not it, 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 there's so many different kinds of podcasts that you really can't pick like the best. Yeah. But within its vertical, it's the best. I mean, yeah. It's so if it, it, everyone if you've not listened to S-Town, it is such a perfect singular weird just unprecedented work of art it's it's hard to wrap my head around it you know i need to re-listen to it for a third time but well it's so incredible right after i listened to s-town which it's so it's very good it's the kind of show where i you're just dying to listen to the next one it's yeah it's very very good i was still think about it on a regular basis yeah same it's a very good it's very well constructed so I was kind of hungry for that sort of format, and I stumbled across mm-hmm. a podcast that I want to really recommend. It's a serialized thing like Serial was, so there's like a season. Mm-hmm. And I'll, we'll put a link to it, but it's called The Polybius Conspiracy. Have you heard of this? Mm, no, I haven't. I'm excited. Okay, so I, there's a little catch to this. So I, I recommended this to a couple people right after S-Town was over. And I got really into it. It's like, I don't know, 10 parts or whatever. Okay. And it's sort of these people looking into uh, this old theory about a video game that was going, a video game console that was going around in the 80s. And apparently there was some weird, like, sinister stuff that happened surrounding this game. Hmm. Like, people went missing. It might have, like, affected people's mental states. Whoa. There might have been. This is in the 80s. This was in the late. So this is a- 
late 80s. So Th- was this like a type command basic style like it's like dos a, game no it's a video game console like you'd see at an arcade so it oh was, like an atari yes okay. like a um what's gallica oh, is that what it's called gallic gallica gallica no that's a movie is it, oh yeah it's right. the like I'm galaxy you know space invader type yeah games. or uh, space invaders or king uh king kong that's Donkey, not what Donkey his name kong. is King Kong? King Kong. Gosh, I'm an idiot. But I recommended this podcast to a ton of people. It's a great sort of whodunit. Give us the name again. It's called The Polybius Conspiracy. P-O-L- Can you spell that? P- P-O-L-Y-B-I-U-S. I'm pretty sure. Polybius. You know, I think there's a good reason why no one knows about this podcast. Because they need to name it something else. Well, that's just the name of the like story they're following on this one. Um, sure. Anyway, I think everybody should listen to it, and there is we, we could talk about it later, but there is sort of a catch to it. Well, I I still don't know what it's about though. They're they're looking. Don't in, give me the catch, but well, they're looking into claims that this video game that there's very mm. sort of little information about. So they're like investigating the video game. They're investigating the claims surrounding this video game because the video game popped up for like a, a month in Seattle back in the 80s. Whoa. It popped up, a bunch of people played it, and then it disappeared. And all the people that played it claim all this really weird stuff happened to them, like their houses got broken into, Whoa. one kid lost his mind completely and they Whoa. are attributing attributing a lot hey, of this stuff when, to the video john game. when was this video when was this podcast published like in the last two years okay cool that sounds awesome all right we'll definitely link to that um so uh yeah there you go you, we've got new season of serial we got the polybius conspiracies we've got s-town if you haven't listened to s-town just stop listening to this podcast for sure like don't listen to any more episodes of this until you at least listen to the first episode of S now. And I really, if you're into film, if you aren't listening to film spotting, mm. film spotting is just an absolute, it's two critics from Chicago. I mean, there's like 700 episodes and I just can't speak highly enough about how their ability to sort of make criticism interesting and, uh, you can always jump in, but I actually, for new people, I typically recommend like scroll through the entire history and just find, they do a lot of lists, you know, they'll do like top five from this director, or they'll do marathons where they'll watch like a bunch of movies from a director that they aren't familiar with, who's kind of considered a great, or they'll talk about contemporary stuff. They'll do top 10 lists to recap years. They do in-depth reviews. It's just really great. But um, I tend to recommend Go back through and just sort of shamelessly cherry pick stuff that looks interesting to you. So if you see the name of a director you like, boom, that's probably a great place to start. Like one of my favorite episodes ever, I don't actually know what number it is, but it wouldn't be hard to find out, is the Royal Tenenbaums episode. But that's a, that's a great show, Film Spotting. Check that one out too. Uh, um, all right, so we got one more piece of mail. Hold up, hold up, I'd hold up. To... We'd be oh, remiss okay, okay. if we didn't mention. I got a little Easter egg podcast recommendation for you. Mm. Easter egg podcast recommendation. You got to look this Sweet. one up, folks. It's okay. called Scuffed. Have you heard of this podcast? It's newer, right? It's a uh, year, year and a half. Okay. Just look it up. Do yourselves a favor. What is it? It's a soccer podcast. Ooh, I can get into a soccer podcast. Really? I mean, I'm not saying I'm going to listen to it every day. Yeah, if you're into soccer, or if you're not, I'm not into soccer. 
my my own son tried out for soccer and they're like yeah work with your uh work with your your dad at home and it's like dude i don't i do not know the rules of soccer i don't know the positions well, i mean i know you kick the ball and run around and john i'm not trying to tell you how to parent but um there are quite a few resources out there that you could probably including scuffed i imagine that you could do quite a bit of learning about soccer at least to play at a a 10 year old level nine-year-old level but yeah i mean i guess well by the time he's good enough to make the team he may be 10 he plays soccer like me that is to say it's a lot of like standing around looking confused mm. but a lot of what? swarming a lot of a lot of character being built good recommendation scuffed, scuffed there we yeah, go look it up Adam check out Mills. scuffed if you're into podcasts scuffed all right so we've got some mail that we teased uh last week we teased it last week it's from archie this is in answer to several episodes ago, we were getting kind of deep and we basically said, you, John, you suggested go ask an older person in your life, ask them point blank, did you do it right? You know, like, are you happy with the way you've lived your life? And then I got super interested, you got super interested in hearing that from people who are listening to the show. And to be totally honest, we haven't gotten that many responses, I think in part because people are still catching up on episodes, in part because some people find us later and didn't hear that episode but just for a quick recap we we do want to hear from you write us in you can write us at i guess we'll do it that way or that way.fm is our website there's like 10 different ways to contact us there there's a contact form you can in you can email info at mama bear studios you can tweet at us i'm bad at twitter john you need to take over twitter that's an off-the-air conversation oh but I'm dude let me take over the twitter can i put can i oh, do whatever i, I want that oh of course you can oh dude um, it's gonna be all uh... so yeah. Okay. Just I got memes, it. funny meme. All right. Don't don't give it away too much. I'm excited. <laughs> right. to, I might have to start following our Twitter. Um, I didn't even know we had one. Anyway, you learned something. New Archie every day. wrote in. Yeah, it's at that way pod. Oh word! I'll follow it. Psych. Yeah, I don't perfect. have a Twitter. Um, well, so so Archie wrote in. I think a really thoughtful answer that I think could could hopefully encourage some other people to sort of engage with that conversation as well. Because I'm super interested in all of these people. Because everybody's super different. Love the comic. All right, so I'm gonna Archie. read Archie's letter. Love the comic, Archie. <laughs> He's a rich, rich man. Um, all right, this is uh, this is from Archie. Subject line: Doing life right. Mm. Archie, thanks for making it so clear. Archie writes. I'm writing in to tell both of you scrubs. I might just have to stop with that. Wow. Come on, Archie. Bye, Archie. You had me up until scrubs. Yeah, so you didn't have me for long. Way to <laughs> set it up strong. Um, I'm writing in to tell both of you scrubs that I'm doing the rightest of all your – doing life right. Uh, Archie, let's get some writing yeah, comprehension Let's get this here. grammar right, buddy. All right, I'm writing in to tell both of you scrubs, let's find a more creative, all right, let's just turn this into a critique session of Archie's email, that I'm doing life the rightest, Archie, rightest is not a word, huh. of all your listeners. Archie, I beg to differ, you might need to go back to high school, do a little brushing up. Archie seems to be a math guy though, so uh, you know we'll give him a yeah. pass. I kind of stumbled into a career as a naval officer Shout out to my dad who completed my full application to the Naval Academy. Probably for the best, Archie, because if they asked you to write a personal essay, I don't know if they would have accepted you. This is where a Archie lot of people... gets kicked out of his career by accidentally yeah, exactly. letting it slip that his oh, dad geez. did the paper for him. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Archie. Don't you have to you get – might have messed up, bro. Hold the phone though. Archie, don't you have to get like your congressman to sign a letter of recommendation for you to go to the Naval Academy? 
I think it's recommended to do that. I don't know if it's required. Uh. Um, but uh, a lot of people, quote, join the Navy to see the world and end up seeing nine months at a time, end up spending nine months at a time on a boat in the middle of the ocean. That does sound terrible after like the first three days. I've been in the Navy since 2013, and since then I've lived on the beach in Pensacola, the beach in Jacksonville, Florida, and in Hawaii. Okay, that does sound kind of dope. Hold up. Though. I've also lived in oh, the, oh, oh. yeah. We got two, what, three of the three places are wiped out by natural disaster. There's a volcano in Hawaii. Pensacola and Florida and uh, Wilmington are gone. Jacksonville, Jacksonville, but also probably it's gone. It's gone. Yeah. Okay, so nice it's, job, Archie. You're three for three. Yeah, Archie. Stay away from leaving Chattanooga, Leaving a trail of disaster behind him. Um, he says, I've also lived in the great Pacific Northwest where I got to go snowboarding nearly every weekend. Wow. I guess this is what our tax dollars are being used for. Yeah, you, what a Archie, hero. For. Thanks for keeping us safe, um, Archie. <laughs> love you, Archie. Thanks for writing in. Also, we should just say, if you write in, we may make fun of you. Hold up. Was I that, hope that whoa, does not whoa, discourage whoa, wait you from a writing second, in. Wait a second. His, his entire rationale for claiming that he's doing it right is that he lived on a couple beaches and he gets he's to not snowboard. done yet he's not done yet oh my he's bad not done yet. you were wrapping it up like he was done i was like dude sorry, sorry archie sorry, sorry, you sorry. need to get some kids or some friends my dude so he says when i'm working on deployment i've gotten to visit more than 10 countries including italy germany poland spain greece and japan that does sound kind of dope mm -hmm. life in the navy hasn't been all sunshine and rainbows though I've missed out on several monumentous occasions, including three of my best friends' weddings. Yeah, thanks, Interesting. Archie. Former best friends Overall, now. yeah, exactly. Overall, I would say I'm doing life about 85% right. I think that's about the ratio, the percentage you were at, John. He says, overall, I would say I'm doing life about 85% right, with the big downfall being the fact that I'm away from friends and family way too much. But I am willing to bet that 85% is about 40% higher than the other peasants that listen to this podcast. Wow. Archie. You mean taxpayers? Yeah, exactly. Hey, Archie, why don't you contribute something to our economy, bruh? This is outrageous. So Also, though, I do appreciate his honesty. I guess I appreciate your candor and just <laughs> letting me know how my tax dollars are being squandered. He is working, I assume. I mean, he's he's flying around the world. Yeah, it sounds like it's snowboarding. To Italy and Germany. Well, come you on. Know, everybody's got to have their off days. I don't know. Do your off day on your own dime, Archie. I mean, I think I think in theory the Navy's probably not paying for his snowboarding. Can adventures. we turn this into a? Can I turn this into like a libertarian rant podcast? I think we. Yeah, let's do – John, I'm going to give you um, 1.3 minutes for an episode of Libertarian Ranting with John and Zay. All right. The, welcome to the first – I mean the inaugural episode of Libertarian Ranting with John and Zay. This is your host, Zay. John, that's your cue. Oh, are you uh, you're going to try to refer to me by my government name Oh, or my human name? Is that is that what libertarians say? I don't actually. Know. I'm, not, I'm not a government slave. I feel John, like we're trying. Are we trying to get kicked off? Do of you have and a social security number? <laughs> you mean a slave number? What's your well, What's your libertarian rant, John? You got about sixty I seconds. I don't left. even Let's have one. I, I'm not begrudging uh, 
Archie for traveling the world. I think that's great, Archie. And yeah, should we add a little caveat? Like for yeah, real, for kidding. real, we do appreciate people who serve the country oh, for sure. in the military. Obviously, yeah, yeah. we are totally just riffing on Archie, in part because he's actually a friend of mine, and in part because he kind of had it coming by putting scrubs in the first sentence. Yeah, we, of his. Who's a scrub email. now, buddy? Yeah, scrub the deck. Bud, no thanks. Why don't for, you yeah, go swabbing the? Why don't you go scrub the deck or swab it? Whatever you're supposed to do to decks. I know it's hard to get into the Naval Academy, and I know Archie's going to be a hardworking dude. And you know what? That's he's the kind of guy that we want defending our country from whatever we need defending from. Yeah, unless he's on the snowboard path fields. Yeah, I mean, come on. I, why was it so hard just now for me to come up with a real word relating to snowboard? Like I'm a ski, I ski on a regular base. Like I, I know the slopes. Mm-hmm. I was looking for slopes. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Couldn't find it. Couldn't find it anywhere. It was just, it was just gone. That said, Archie, thanks for your, thanks for your candor. Yeah. I'm glad you I'd feel say, like that. Uh, yeah. If I, I'm excited for, for him, Archie, I'm excited for you that you uh, feel like you're doing it 85%. Right. And the gauntlet has been, thrown down i, I mean think he cool says he's archie sounds like he's like a minor character in a tom clancy novel mm, yeah he's like blowing people away on the side and then he takes snowboarding breaks like he's like a you know he he just adds to the color a little bit like he's a character mm-hmm. that jack ryan might bump into you know mm-hmm. they might play golf or something archie keep mm-hmm. it up my, my dude keep it up also yeah like we're saying archie just threw down the gauntlet he says 85%, which is his his number for his rating for himself, is 40% higher than the other peasants that listen to this podcast. Hey, peasants, let's hear. Get back at him. I did have one exciting thing that I'm doing today, kind of weirdly enough relating to um, to to our conversation about lenses and the way things look. Mm. Um, basically, what's happening is I'm going to – I'm not going to mention the name quite yet, but I hope eventually I can – um, I'm going to hang out with some folks who have a really cool post-production facility. And in a general sense, post-production just refers to editing and, you know, the, the edit robot booth, like mm. we were talking about earlier, mm. which is, does not exist. But um, I'm going to, 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 to check out this really cool post-facility. They do color. They do sound. They do all that kind of stuff. And it's only a couple miles from my house on Sunset Boulevard. And I'm going to go over there and uh, talk to them about the movie because apparently they're interested in giving us a good deal on uh, helping us do posts for the movie, which is super exciting. So do they, I'm going to head over there and uh, yeah. Do they anyway. have like a lot of businesses, you know, when you're trying to drum up support, do they, do they have like a guy out front that has like editing color correction on a sandwich board that just he's just spinning, like flopping spinning around aside. doing flips and stuff. Half price editing. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> Color correction. I don't, think, I don't think they do, but I'm very much going to suggest that they do that. You would get they could John, get a ton of business. Would you consider making that your new job? Uh, I don't have the I don't have the dancing or sign flipping abilities, mm. but I could I'd mm-hmm. give it a whirl. Okay. Oh. Was that pun intended? Um doo, doo, doo. is that drums don't make that sound. Anyway, I'm going over there. I'm super pumped because we're gonna have hopefully just a kind of a conversation about like, yeah, what I want the movie to look like. And they're going to be like, Oh dude, that's impossible. No, I'm just kidding. They're not going to say that. Hopefully they're going to say, Oh yeah. Like sounds like a great fit. 
let's do this thing. So hopefully I'll have some updates on that soon. And, uh, you know, enjoy your existential crisis that I have a feeling we launched many of you into oh, by no. talking about your Not Archie. About Archie's just out hitting the waves and the slopes, smile on his face. Well, he was. He hasn't heard the episode yet. Now he's going to just probably quit and go bury his head in the sand. I don't think Archie quits. I think he's going to start a competing podcast. Mm. Mm, just to torpedo us. Torpedo, exactly. Yep, he's a I Navy know, man. No pun intended. Yeah, he's a Navy man. It's all um, All right, well, Archie, game on, baby. You know, we just lost, like, one of our three listeners. Archie's <laughs> gone. Teddy Bronson is really offended by some of our conversations about Ted's. Uh, get over it, you bratwurst-eating idiot. <laughs> John, Down we do one, not talk grandma. to Teddy like that. Oh, my gosh. No, Teddy... Teddy would never actually leave. He would just smolder, you know. Mm. And I don't want—I don't like a smoldery Teddy. I like a nice, clean, uh, happy Teddy. Is it getting? Uh, are you guys getting into fall down there? Is it getting wintry over there yet? Yeah, it doesn't really ever turn into fall or winter. I mean, we're we're turning into the LA version of fall and winter, which is that it's not real hot right. all day, and the mornings are cool. The mornings and evenings do border on fall at times yeah we get a we get a very long, nice you know but we get a long season down here you know it's like 90 sort of but it's starting to get cooler at night and stuff mm-hmm. and pretty soon we're going to be putting on sweaters and making fires outside dude it's to be uh, honest kind of a magical time of year oh uh, uh we got a pumpkin John, dude it's 90 me. it's like 92 degrees we got a pumpkin yo get a pumpkin start wearing sweaters let the season like just let it come to you man embrace it 100 percent. john fires in the fireplace apple cider dog oh dude i don't even have a place to make a fire i live in a stinking apartment we are actually just go to a vacant building and burn it down i know well speaking of life updates we're actually um we're looking at a we're looking at a new place tomorrow as of this recording a new apartment yeah, well, you know, our lease is pretty close to up, so we're we're kind of ready to move further east. Yeah, into uh, the the neighborhoods east of east of LA, as opposed to right now, we're technically a little northwest of downtown LA. Not that that means you're actually northwest of anything, because the reality is that LA is just more of a region. But we're moving east of where we are now, and uh, you can just get a lot more. Put it this way: you can get a house with a yard for about the same price that we're paying for an apartment right now on this side of town and it's it's less convenient it's less cool but you know what i'm too old for cool dude mm. i don't care about cool that much well plus it's still like 10 minutes from downtown it's not like we're like moving out in the suburbs or anything i know i did everybody a solid by introducing you to the word obstreperous but now apropos of almost nothing i'm gonna mm. say i started listening to webster here i started listening to rosemary's baby on tape okay and uh, mm. who wrote that uh, I don't know somebody, and uh, mm-hmm. nobody famous. Some we'll who knows. Uh, but the story—it's a thinly veiled. It's a, so the story takes place in some old apartment building in New York City, and it's supposed to be the Dakotas where John Lennon got shot. Mm. You know, it's uh, like what on the Upper West Side, and it's this old, like you know, sort of classic structure in New York. Mm. 
And, cool. and it's got a bunch of history because like a tons of celebrities live there. But the point of Rosemary's Baby is that this young couple move into the apartment building. Somebody had just died in there. There's a bunch of like mm-hmm. sort of weird stuff going on in the building. And it turns out that a bunch of the people in the building are like in this satanic cult. And they're trying to impregnate Rosemary with the child oh, of Satan. Right? Why are you reading this book? Well... I don't know. It's a classic, Rosemary's Baby. I know, I'm just kidding. So it's the, a famous movie, too. It is a famous movie. Well, so the character in the movie who's like the the guy who introduces Rosemary into this cult activity with her being an unwitting uh, participant, mm-hmm. his name is Roman. His first name is Roman. Mm. Famously, the movie was made by sex offender Roman Polanski, Mm-hmm. Who bought? Mm-hmm. Who bought? Made the movie Rosemary's Baby. He bought a house out in L.A. around the time that he's making this movie. And his wife, who was an actress, Sharon Tate, lived in that house. He was out in New York or wherever filming the movie, and his yep. wife got murdered in that house by Charles Manson. It's a really sad story. She was pregnant at the time. It's insane. And her, but, well, it her was, and the it baby was, died. He, he, specifically, she was murdered by Manson's accomplices, right. correct? Yeah, because he the, the, the people he basically brainwashed, which became a really yeah, exactly, which became a big court case because they were non-repentant. But ultimately, people were like, "Are they actually responsible for their actions?" Because he was the puppet master. But basically, uh, oh, that was a that was known as kind of an interesting, especially in hindsight, kind of an interesting inflection point. In Hollywood because there was sort of this you know Hollywood was very small it still is but it was very small and a lot of people knew everybody and there was kind of this free love thing going on you know just the the whole the end of the 60s that whole era you know there were a handful of things that being one of them also um, the stabbing at the Rolling Stones concert out here Mm. Um, Gimme Shelter amazing amazing documentary can't recommend it highly enough but there were the series of like innocence destroying, right. basically end of the hippie movement, uh, end of the almost summer of before love. it even began, end of the summer of love, including these murders, mm. and it had a pretty significant impact in some ways on the future history of, um, of 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 filmmaking as well because it had a pretty massive impact on um, sort of the the up and coming Hollywood generation. Anyway, with that, we should wrap this bad boy up. It seems like everybody went from marijuana or pot to cocaine. Is that what happened out there mm-hmm. in Hollywood? I do think that that happened to some extent. Okay, yeah. well. well. We'll do some more research on it. Speaking of things to recommend, I got a great book if you want to know more about all this. Uh, there's a book called Easy Riders, Raging Bulls ah. by a brilliant guy named Peter Biskind, um, who also wrote an amazing book called Oh, what's the what's the one about the nineties called? Uh, oh no. Um, hold on. Why am I blanking on it? I've read both of them and I love them both. But Raging Bull, uh, Easy Rise Raging Bull's classic Hollywood book really details like the rise of sort of what a lot of people consider one of the greatest eras of filmmaking in the seventies. Sure. It sort of tracks what was happening in the sixties that paved the way for it. It's incredibly re- re- well researched. It talks about everybody like spielberg and coppola and it's just really juicy gossip but it's also just incredibly well researched and incredibly well 
uh, written, and it's it's really a, a kind of an incredible book. And then he also wrote a second book called Down and Dirty Pictures. I don't know why I was blanking on this. Down and Dirty Pictures. This guy loves alliteration. Uh, exactly. But um, this one, Down and Dirty Pictures, uh, Miramax, Sundance, and the Rise of Independent Film. Ah. Anyone who read this book knew without a doubt that Harvey Weinstein was a complete psychopath. Oh, really? Um, and I think, oh, oh, he dishes big time. He also talks about the impact that he had on Hollywood, but oh, he dishes. And, um, you know, I'm amazed that, that I have a feeling Peter doesn't live in L.A. Because I feel like this would be a difficult place for him to live with the way he dishes. But All the dirty that looks said, he get. What are they going to do to him? I don't know, but I'm just saying it would be annoying. It would be frustrating, I bet. He but both it. books, man, they're just so good. But I really recommend if you're into kind of understanding the Hollywood of the 70s and how the movies like The Godfather and, um, you know, other movies like that that like are sort of just these ultra classics came about. Um, and, and, and even the beginning of the blockbuster with movies like Jaws and, and – um, and Indiana Jones and Star Wars. He just goes into uh, really immense detail, and it's kind of an incredible book. It's not, it's not hard to read. That's the best part about it. It's kind of a page turner. Easy so, Rider, Raging Bull. Easy Riders, Raging Bulls. We'll link to both. Um, but anyway, on that note, John, it's been a real pleasure. I don't know what we'll talk about next week, but we'll talk about something interesting, maybe. Maybe I'll go to the local library and get that book, and then we'll yak about it. I would love that, John. Maybe I'll reread it. Do people still do that? Do people still go to libraries? I got to say, guys, the library is an incredible resource. It's a, it sounds yeah. so silly to say that. It's a, such a gift you can that look we have at libraries. Microfilm, you can make copies. You can, it's insane. Oh, you can yeah, get VHS just, the, the, tapes. The, the, no, speaking of being the guy who was born in 463 AD or whatever, or 563 AD. I mean, if that guy had access, well, he probably did not read, but if that guy had access to a library, I mean, knowledge is, I mean, it's kind of an incredible gift. Plus, a lot of libraries, you can get ebooks now. I read, I actually read books from the library on my Kindle all the time. Check it out. Your local library probably is a program. Yeah, nothing like finding out, as, as a young man, finding out that your local library has an erotic fiction section. That's for sure what we're discussing next week. <laughs> and with that, Let me be the first to say thanks for tuning in for episode 14 of I Guess We'll Do It That Way. If LA doesn't get destroyed first, we will see you again next week. And don't forget, write in with your take on your life. Are you doing it right? Are you happy? Are you not happy? We want to know. We really are curious, and we promise that we'll try to be nice. Today's show was produced and edited by me, executive producer John Schimpf. Intro music is The Get Down by Summer Dregs. That lovely outro music that also has a lot of thematic relevance to today's show is The Band From Nowhere by Tom Paulus and Max Bells. Our cover art was designed by Nate Giordano. This has been a production of Mama Bear Studios. In the heat of the desert air, the journey is all I know. It's your boy!